Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. All right, well, as our kids head back to uh, Kids Church with Miss Rhonda, I'm going to invite you to take your Bible and go with me to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. This morning, as I said, as we wrap up this series uh, that we've called Here We Stand, uh, looking at what it means to be Southern Baptist, um, we are going to finish where the Baptist faith and message finishes, and that is talking about the family. Um, So uh, out of everything that we believe, um, and, and we believe a lot of things that are countercultural, a lot of a lot of things that would cause people to to look at us and say, uh, "You guys might be off your rocker." Um, this might be the craziest given our current culture, uh, because we have, over recent years, seen decisions come down through the Supreme Court, seen um, a, a culture that is shifting rapidly, and, and along with that shift comes a changing idea about what constitutes a family and what constitutes marriage. Uh, So this morning we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about that, okay? Because we we believe, uh, first and foremost, that because God created the family, because God created marriage, because God created us, he he gets to define what marriage is, what a family is, and, and who we are. Um, and so let me, let me lay my cards on the table this morning, okay? Uh, and, and, I mean, you're in a Southern Baptist church, so I hope that this isn't like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's... Like, we, we believe that marriage is reserved for one man and one woman, one woman for a lifetime. We, we, we believe that children need a, a, a mother and a father in order to thrive. We, we believe that's the way God has designed things. We believe that, that sex is reserved for covenant marriage. And, and listen, I know everything that I just said is wildly countercultural in the day in which we live. And like I said, I hope, like, like if you wandered into a, to a Southern Baptist church, like, I hope you weren't shocked by what I just said, okay? Um, b- because there are a lot of denominations that are they're going here and there on this, and we simply say, this is, this is here, this is where we stand. Here we stand on the Word of God. And we're going to look at a real short passage this morning. In Colossians, and, and we'll flip back uh, a couple of places in Ephesians, which is really a parallel passage to, to what we're looking at this morning, where in, in Ephesians, Paul goes into a little bit more depth. And so um, I believe I printed some of those verses on your Bible. If you want to, uh, there's just a few pages that separate Ephesians and Colossians. Um, so if you want to go back and, and kind of have your thumb in Ephesians 5, we'll be turning back there uh, a, a few places. So um, if you will, let's stand and let's read the, the word the Lord has given to us this morning uh, in Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. The word of the Lord says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we take a look at your word and what it means to be part of a family, I pray that where we read things this morning that maybe um, rub us a little the wrong way or we we know cause some friction either in in our marriages or in our families, that, that we would humbly submit to your word that we would 
um, we would trust that what you have said is true and right and for our good and for your glory. And so we ask that your, uh, your word will speak and, and everything we say and do, your name is glorified. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Um, now, really quickly, I want us to look at, uh, so I've, I've taken the passage, this, this article out of uh, the Baptist Faith and Message that covers the family. And so I put this on the screen if you, if you want to follow along with me here. Uh, we believe that God has ordained the family as the foundational institution of human society. It is composed of persons related to one another by marriage, blood, or adoption. Marriage is the uniting of one man and one woman in covenant commitment for a lifetime. It is God's unique gift to reveal the union between Christ and his church and to provide for the man and the woman in marriage the framework for intimate companionship, the channel of sexual expression according to biblical standards, and the means for procreation of the human race. The husband and wife are of equal worth before God since both are created in God's image. The marriage relationship models the way God relates to his people. A husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. He is the God-given responsibility to provide for, to protect, and to lead his family. A wife is to submit, submit herself graciously to the servant leadership of her husband, even as the church willingly submits to the headship of Christ. She, being in the image of God, as is her husband, and thus equal to him, has the God-given responsibility to respect her husband and to serve as his helper in managing the household and nurturing the next generation. Children from the moment of conception, are a blessing and heritage from the Lord. Parents are to demonstrate to their children God's pattern for marriage. Parents are to teach their children spiritual and moral values and to lead them through consistent lifestyle example and loving discipline, to make choices based on biblical truth. Children are to honor and obey their parents. So this is from the last article in the Baptist Faith and Message. Um, and this lays out what we believe about the family as Southern Baptists. And so what I want to do this morning is simply uh, walk through, we have, we have four verses that we read this morning. So we're going to walk through those verse by verse and just simply see uh, what they have to say to us. We're going to start in verse 18, okay? Wives, I'm not picking on you. This is where the, the text starts. This is where I'm going to start, okay? Uh, so verse 18, we're told, Wives, submit yourselves to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. So, Wives, then, are called to submit to your husband's leadership. Um, now, particularly in a 21st century culture, the word submit has almost become like a dirty word to us, right? Like, like wives submit. And, 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 and I've known some, some women who, as soon as they hear that, like, buck up. And it's like, I'm... Submit, oh, I'll, I'll show you, you submit to me, right, that, that's, that, so, so if that's your natural reaction, let, let me say, first of all, I understand, okay, uh, I, I, I get why that is countercultural today, um, but, but as Southern Baptists, we've traditionally held to a, uh, a view of marriage and a view of the home that is called complementarianism, okay, that, that means, as we read a while ago, both husband and wife are equal before God. Okay, so, so we're not talking about differing values before God. Both men and women are created in the image of God. We see that in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. So God created them in the image of God. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. We, we see that, that, that God created men and women in the image of God. And so complementarianism is going to say we are equal before God with distinct 
roles as, uh, as husbands and wives. And the, the most simple of those that I know of is in childbearing, right? Men, and again, this, in, in a culture that's gone crazy when it comes to gender, would, would come against this. Men cannot have babies. Okay? And I've never really met a man who is like, can I, please? Like, like, like no, okay, that, that's, that's not the way God designed it, all right? Um, we, we have distinct roles. God has created us differently to serve different purposes. Now, let me say very clearly what this does not mean, because I think this is one of the, one of the texts, one of the verses that is probably most abused uh, throughout Christianity and even in our culture today, because uh, when so, so many people have seen when, when it says wives submit, that means that wives have no voice in the home. And that is not what Paul's saying here at all. Um, in, in recent days, really starting this year, as, as the Me Too movement has, has picked up steam in our culture, uh, bringing light to sexual harassment, sexual assault in our culture, uh, it's made its way into the church. And if you've, if you've paid attention at all to the headlines, there have been uh, numerous uh, leaders, both within our own denomination of the Southern Baptist Convention and outside, that, that have fallen uh, morally as, as um, allegations of sexual misconduct have come to light. Uh, some of these were inappropriate relationships they themselves had. In the case of some pastors, what we've seen are... Um, some things were brought to light from either leaders in their church or people in their congregation that the pastors had knowledge of that they did not report to the proper authorities. Um, so, so let me say first and foremost, if uh, wives, since, since I'm addressing you here, let, let, me, let me speak to us first. Let me speak to you first. Um, if, if you are in an abusive relationship of any type, this does not mean you submit to that abuse. Because Paul gives us a qualifier here in verse 18. Wives, submit yourself to the, your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. If you're in a dangerous situation, this doesn't mean that you just stay and, and bear it. Um, and, and now let me say a, a further step. If, if ever an abusive allegation is brought to me that I believe warrants going to the authorities, I will not hesitate to make that call. I will not hesitate. Abuse is not to be tolerated within the church of Almighty God. Um, so, so wives, if, 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 you've ever, if you're in this situation right now, know that we will do whatever it takes as a church family to get you out and to get you safe. And husbands, if you're an abuser, hear me, we will do whatever it takes to make sure you're handled the proper way by the authorities. Okay? Um, so, let me lay that on the table. This doesn't mean the wife is always to be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, okay? Unless that's where she wants to be. If that's where she wants to be, more, more power to you. But that doesn't mean that's the, that's the wife's only place, okay? Um, Ephesians 5, as I said, we're going to spend some time there as well. Uh, Paul fleshes this out a little bit more. He says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. 
Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Similarly, this is a verse that has been wildly uh, taken out of context and I believe wildly abused, uh, particularly when it comes to uh, this word head in here. Husbands are the head of the wives. And, and the problem, I think, with that is a lot of times people stop it right there. Well, the husband's the head of the wife. So, so that means you've got to listen to everything that I say and do everything that I say to do. The problem with that is that Paul doesn't stop there. He keeps going. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. So again, that's not a domineering Headship. That's not an overbearing headship. That's not a finger pointing so you will do what I say to do when I say to do it. Because that's not the way that Christ handles his church. Christ lovingly leads his church. We'll talk more about that um, here in just a second. All right. So, so it, we believe that within the marriage relationship, God has called wives to lovingly, graciously, voluntarily submit to the husband as the leading, as, as Paul says here, as is fitting in the Lord. Now, verse 19, we get to the husbands who are called to faithfully love your wife. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Husbands, love your wives. And, and as we see Ephesians 5, 26 and 20, or excuse me, 5, 25 and 26 Paul says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. Uh, I heard a, a preacher years ago um, who said he was constantly being asked by people, um, well, well what is the, how does the marriage relationship work? And, and particularly he was being asked by men of, well, you know, God has called me to be the head, right? So that means, I mean, I got to, you know, I'm, I'm in charge. My family's got to listen to me. Um, and I don't understand why they're not listening to me. Like when I tell my wife she should submit, I don't understand why she's not doing it. And the preacher said he would always just kind of, you know, he'd listen to these husbands complain about their wives. And, and you know, why doesn't she submit when I tell her to submit? <laughs> It's a wonder they were still alive to be talking to this preacher. Uh, but he would eventually say, okay, let's look at the passage. It says you're the head as Christ is the head of the church. And then husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So, so he would always turn it around on these Husbands who, who just spent the last five minutes complaining about how their wives never submitted. <clears throat> and then he would say, when's the last time you sacrificed for your wife? When's the last time you were willing to lay yourself down, your, your preferences down to honor her? See, they just wanted somebody who would listen and jump when they said jump. That's not at all what we see in the text. What we see is that husbands are called to love their wives the same way Christ loved the church. We're told in, in Philippians 2, we're given the example of how Christ loved the church. That even though he was equal with God, Paul writes there, he, he didn't count equality with God something to be grasped, but instead he took the form of a servant. 
becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The goal, if you look at Ephesians 5.26, the goal is of husbands loving their wives, the goal of, of husbands serving their wives is the wife's sanctification. To make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. Now, now, now think about, so, so we're given here the picture of, of Christ and his church. The reason Christ came and, and sacrificed himself, gave his life on the cross, was to save us, to cleanse us, to make us pure as, as the people of God, to make us pure before God. Now, now, husbands, you don't have the ability to save your wives, right? I mean, you, you, can't, you, you can't force her into any kind of a relationship with Christ. You can't force her into sanctification. But are you loving her and leading her in such a way that she looks more like Jesus because she's married to you? Um, Again, I mean, I know in some cases I'm literally preaching to the choir because everyone's here. I will never understand um, husbands and fathers who, who send their families to church without them. I just, I just won't. I, that's, now, now, again, okay, I understand what my job is, all right? Um, so so let, me, let me lay that disclaimer on. I, I'm here every Sunday, um, some Sundays because I get paid to be here. Okay, like, like there's some Sundays I wake up and I'm like, oh, it's Sunday, do I have to go? Yeah, um, those, those are rare, okay, those are very few and far between. Um, but let me, also, uh, let me also lay the disclaimer on here that I don't get to come to church with my family very often. Uh, I'm usually here by about 6.30, and, and for whatever reason, I can't get them on board with that. Um, I've tried, right? Uh, so, so most of the time when I, when I leave for church, uh, my family's still in bed, so a lot, of, a lot of Sunday mornings, the first time I see them is when uh, they're here. Um, but, but husbands, if at all possible, bring, bring, bring your families to church. Come with them. Um, because there is nothing, even, even in all the, um, with all the classes and all the discipleship material that we have, all the resources that have been um, developed over the years in teaching folks to follow after Christ. Parents are still the number one influence in their kids' spirituality. Um, because you know what happens? Um, kids, kids that grew up in, in this church, mo most of them are going to graduate and leave. And even if they leave your home, they don't leave your family. And, and as, as a, a man of 35, I can tell you, you, you never give up needing that parental support. It's, it's important. And you parents will shape your children's spiritual lives. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself here because we're going to talk parents and, and children in a minute, but husbands, lead your families well. Now, this doesn't mean you have to do a two-hour Bible study every night before you go to bed, uh, but, but let your kids know um, that, that you love Jesus and that you love their mom. Um, that, that's important. Then we get to children, and I know, like, our smallest kids, we shipped out of here, right? But um, everyone in here is, is a child, so may, maybe you're not a husband, maybe you're not a wife, but, but everyone in here is a child, even if your, your parents are, are no longer living. You're still a child. And, and in verse 20, we, we see this simple command, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. 
obey your parents. Now, uh, this comes right out of the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, where God is writing to Moses, giving him the, the Ten Commandments, and he says, Honor your father and mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Uh, in Ephesians 5, Paul's going to point out this is the first command. This is the first one of the Ten Commandments that has a promise with it. Honor your father and mother so that you may have long life in the land the Lord your God has given you. I used to joke uh, when I was working with teenagers especially, this, honor your father and mother or they will kill you. That's, okay, that, that's Kyle's translation. Don't take that too far, right? Um, but, but here's the thing, right? So in... In Colossians 3, we're given a very specific word for children. That is, obey your parents. Um, now, again, we live in a culture that in many ways is going crazy. Uh, because there, there are segments of um, our society that would say parents should not command their children to do anything. I'm trying to think of anything good to say about that, and I can't think of anything. Um, now, now, on a scaled-back version, I've run into parents when I was in youth ministry. Uh, parents would show up on Sunday morning, and you know, as a youth pastor, I'm like, hey, where are your kids? Oh, I just couldn't get them out of bed this morning. I went, does that fly on Monday morning? Like when it, when it, when, when, oh, why didn't your children come to school? Oh, I just couldn't get them out of bed this morning. Really? Because we will send an officer to your house to get them out of bed and get them here. I, I, I never quite, I, I never was really sure how church truancy officers would work. Um, I'm not saying it didn't cross my mind. I'm just, I'm, I'm not sure that that's the, that, that's, that's the way we wanted to go. Okay. Um, you, you know, and I remember talking about that with, with parents because kids, I mean, th- there comes a point where at some point they want to not do whatever it is that you tell them. Right? So, hey, we're going to church. Oh, I don't want to go to church. I remember having those days as well. You know, the alarm would go off on Sunday morning, and, and I would go, are you serious? Really? Again? Um, I was never given an option. In fact, there, there was even a time when I got to college, and my mom would still call me on Sunday mornings. <laughs> are you going? Um, but, but let me tell you, okay, as, as, a, as one of those weird millennials who... Uh, really never didn't go to church. That makes sense? So we hear all the time about kids who go to college and leave the church behind. Um, I'm one of those weird ones that never did that. Um, Let me tell you, I'm so grateful that my parents drugged me out of bed on Sunday mornings and drugged me to church, sometimes kicking and screaming, sometimes grumbling all the way, do I have to go? Now I'm immensely thankful that that was a priority. Parents, don't be afraid to protect your kids. And, and kids, the, I, I promise this is true. The older you get, the smarter your parents become. Okay? Um, I, and so, listen, even on those days when your parents tell you something, when they give you a curfew that doesn't sound like fun, that's an hour and a half too early. Honor them. Honor them. Um, now, for those of us who are grown, and, and for whom I would say the command to obey uh, has changed 
right? Because there comes a point where, uh, where you have your own family, where your primary responsibility is no longer to obey your parents, but to take care of your, uh, you, your family. However, I don't think the, the command in the Old Testament to honor your father and mother ever goes away. So listen, whether your parents are still alive or not, you can still honor them. Uh, for, for me, when my dad passed away now uh, seven years ago, seven and a half years ago. Um, and, and so even though he's gone, the, the command to honor him di- didn't go away. I still honor what, the things that he taught me. I still carry his last name. Um, and, and so that, that command to honor him by the way you live your life, it, it, honor your parents is still there. Um, lastly, we're, so we've talked, uh, we've talked husbands, we've talked wives, we've talked kids. Now let's uh, go to fathers and uh, fathers specifically um, and parents um, in, in general in verse 21. I'm sorry. Yeah, yes, verse 21. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. Um, now, now, now that word exasperate carries with it the idea of provoking needlessly, okay? Now let's be honest. There will be times that you do something that your children don't like and you make them mad, right? Um, in fact, I, 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 as my kids get older, I'm learning there are a lot of things that I will do that make them mad. Like eat your vegetables, go to bed, get up, right? Those, those kinds of things. Or, or, or as we talked a while ago, yes, you are coming to church. No, you don't have a choice. I don't care if you sit and scowl through the whole service. Um, you, you are going, all right? So, so this is not saying never make your kids mad because um, that goes back to, to leading and loving them well, right? Um, kind of like the, the kid, if, if your kid ever tried to like stick a fork in the, uh, hopefully your kids aren't playing with forks, let's use another example, um, or tried to stick something into a light socket and you took it away and it made them mad, right? Am I doing this just to make you mad, to, to steal your fun? No, I'm doing it because I don't want to see you blown across the room. Not, not trying to kill your fun and kill your joy, I'm, I'm trying to keep you safe, um, but I've been guilty at times. Michelle likes to bring this one up to me because, um, because I, I, I like to play with my kids and, and, and sometimes I take it too far, if, if that makes any sense, to, to the point where it's no longer fun. It, it exasperates my children. Um, so listen, I'm still learning this. Um, but, but the point is, especially here, that they may not become discouraged Thankfully, this was not something that, that I grew up with, but I remember a lot of friends watching their parents, um, especially during sports, and they were constantly pointing out the kids' shortfalls and never talking about what they did well. I've seen that, like I said, I saw it a lot in sports. I've seen it with academics. I, I've seen it as simple as a parent constantly asking their children, why can't you do anything right? Don't discourage your kids. Now, are there times where they're going to be doofuses? Yes. Are there times where you're going to wonder what they were thinking, if they were thinking? Yes. 
Are those times going to be often? At times, yes. But don't miss an opportunity to encourage your kids, to tell them they've done a good job. Maybe as simple as when they pick their room up. Hey, good job. Maybe in those moments where they, where they surprise you by obeying you, where they do come home not five minutes late. Hey, good job. Thank you. It means a lot. Let's not, not forget the um, encouragement that we have in Psalm 127.3. Sons, and, and speaking to sons specifically, in general, all children are indeed a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward. Children are a blessing. You know, back in the uh, uh, Baptist Faith and Message, we said that children from the moment of conception are a blessing and heritage from the Lord. There's a lot of talk in our society right now that centers around abortion. A lot of that due to the fact that, that President Trump's announcing a new uh, Supreme Court justice nominee tomorrow and, and a lot of talk that, that Roe v. Wade after 45 years, 46 years could be uh, repealed. Um, I, I believe as, as followers of Christ, we should be pro-life. But pro-life extends far beyond being simply anti-abortion. Because this says children from the moment of conception are a blessing and heritage from the Lord. That, that, that means that as believers, we need to be concerned about the children in the womb. Yes, we also need to be concerned about the orphans. We need to be concerned about children from the moment they're born all the way through adulthood. And then here's the thing, all the way to the end of life. I mean, being, being pro-life means we, we have concerns about end-of-life issues as well. Um, one of the criticisms, that, and I think often this is, this is rightly leveled against evangelicals, is that we scream about abortion and look the other way when it comes to orphans. And, and those two things, to, to be pro-life means that we are pro-life for all of life. Um, children, whether they're yours or not, are a blessing and a heritage from the Lord. Um, and so let's make, let's make sure that as, as people who follow God, we are consistent in that. Whether those kids are under our own roofs or across the street in our classrooms, come in to our workplaces. May we never treat children in homes or in the, the church as distractions to be dealt with but as blessings to be celebrated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the, the chance to be here this morning. And as I've said, I know this is a, uh, this is a countercultural message, maybe more so than anything else that we've looked at in this series. And we thank you that, that you have loved us well. We thank you that you gave us your pattern for the family. And we pray that as men and women who are followers of Christ, who would say, yes, we've been redeemed and saved by the blood of Christ. Where, where we see our culture rebelling against your word, where maybe even at times in our own hearts we want to rebel against your word, would you help us to be people who live in submission 
to your word. Even when we don't want to, maybe even on some days when we don't like what it says, but trusting that it's there. Because this is the Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.